This is the Detroit Sports Podcast Network. Welcome back to the fifth episode of the First Lady Podcast. I'm your host, Jenna Jones, and welcome to the freaking weekend. I don't know about you, but I am so glad that we're finally here because it has been yet another one of those weeks. But another reason that I'm so ready for this weekend, quite honestly is to get the hell out of Detroit for a little bit because I feel like I've been here for so long with no breaks going up north to see my family. I need it. But here's why I need it. I am about to call you Tigers fans right out. Yep, I'm going there. I'm going there today, you guys. So buckle up because this is about to be a bumpy ass ride, okay? Because what I saw last night on Twitter for the Detroit Tigers versus what I'm seeing today... Mind you, today I'm recording. This is Thursday. Today is the day that we had Jordan Zimmerman back up, okay? Last night with J.D. Martinez Twitter versus today with Zimmerman Twitter is two completely different things, and this is blowing my effing mind. Get your act together, Tigers fans, and stick with it and pick a side. I am so done with this wishy-washy back-forth bandwagon bullcrap that I'm seeing here with Detroit. Because here's the bottom line. I spent three years having to sit and watch the Diamondbacks play. The Arizona Diamondbacks, who you could argue has been the worst team Major League Baseball has seen in a very long time. Those fans are so cutthroat unbelievably devoted to their team for better or for worse. Why don't we see this in Detroit? I don't understand. We have been so blessed with a team that has been overwhelmingly and overall insanely talented in contention. I don't understand why we don't have more of a solid, completely devoted fan base than what I'm seeing displayed from Detroit Tigers fans right now. I'm calling your asses out. Get it together and be positive all the time or don't watch because here's what I'll tell you about what I saw in Arizona. Okay. Like I said, they're either all in or they're all out period point blank. A pitcher goes out and has a bad game. Those guys say, you know what? We understand these things happen next time. We'll get them. Or they say, you know what? That was a bad call by our manager. We should have left that guy in, but you know what? He's human. He makes mistakes. They rally behind their team. What I saw on social media, what I'm seeing in the actual news media is blowing my mind, okay? J.D. Martinez last night, one of the craziest things we've seen come out of the Tigers in a very long time. He steps up to the plate, pinch hitter, by the way, awesome call by Osmus. Everybody was lighting up all kinds of media on that. After being on the DL since mid-June, he comes out. And has this just insane home run in the eighth inning to make it the eighth win. It's this magical moment. Everybody's on their feet. Everybody's tweeting. Everybody's texting. Everybody's calling. Oh, my God. J.D. Martinez. This is the Tigers we love. This is our team we want to back. We're back in action. We're ready to do it. Here we go. We are Tigers fans. And then today happens. And what happens today? Zimmerman comes back. 
He's looking a little tight as he's warming up. It's not his neck. It's a lat issue. He's not in pain, supposedly, allegedly, okay? But he goes out with this five-year, $110 million contract and gives up six runs over one and two-thirds innings. A five-run second inning. Now, that sucks. That sucks to watch as fans. That sucks to watch as a manager. That sucks to do as a pitcher, I'm sure. But you know what? Not every homecoming back to action off the DL comeback is going to be like J.D. Martinez. So why the hell are we giving up on this team after one bad game? One bad game, one sore lap. Now, the guys didn't get an MRIs at Detroit in, in Detroit hospitals right now. Hopefully, he just was a little tense. Hopefully, he was a little bit nerved up after having to come back from a guy's comeback like J.D. Martinez's last night. That's a lot to live up to, okay? You're coming back from pitching for AAA. The batters are completely different. You have that added pressure on. There's all kinds of variables that played into Zimmerman coming back today and actually delivering the way that we hoped that he would. But you know what? Three weeks ago, four weeks ago, would we have really been looking at this as that bad of a game? Would we be looking at this as we no longer have a chance to win the AL Central, to be in contention for the AL Central? I don't know. I think that a couple weeks ago, we would have looked at this and went like, you know what? It wasn't a complete blowout. You know what? We got some runs. We did a decent job. But instead, everybody's pulling the plug on the Tigers. And they're like, nope, that's it. We're done. We knew it. Too good to be true. One good game. That's it. There goes our win streak. Give me a flipping break, Tigers fans. Be all in. Support your team. Support your pitchers. And understand that these things are going to happen. It's not like Osmus left him in the entire game and said, well, figure it out, buddy. It's okay. Just keep throwing pitches. You'll straighten it out eventually. No, the dude could not extend his arm, period. I'm glad we pulled him. I'm sorry it took that many runs given up to make it happen, but you know what? The rest of the game was saved. Nobody's talking about Kinsler's fifth leadoff homer that he got this last game. Nobody's talking about Miggy's solo home run or all the great things that everybody else did around Zimmerman today. All we can talk about is that Zimmerman threw a couple bad pitches and wasn't quite as ready as we had hoped that he would be, and now everybody's pulling the plug on the Tigers. Well, here's what I have to say to you Tigers fans. Step your asses up, be devoted, show that you love this team through thick and thin, and be married to your baseball team. I mean, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, this is how sports fans, true sports fans, in my opinion, should behave. And instead, this back and forth wishy-washiness, I can't wrap my head around. I don't know if we are the spoiled kids of sports and we're the ones that are so used to getting our way all the time that when one thing goes bad, we go and pout in the corner and cry about it. And this is just what we should expect as Detroit sports fans. But I think otherwise. I've seen otherwise. I've known otherwise. And I know that we are capable of better, period. There's a lot of articles still buzzing around that we do have a chance at this AL Central, and I think it's possible, honestly. Zimmerman back was great, but J.D. being back, hopefully V-Mart comes back soon. Hopefully Mabin's thumb issue gets worked out pretty quickly and all these pieces come back in together. But with V-Mart out and Mabin out, is it really that understandable or that, I should say, you know, impossible that today did go so badly? Those are two crucial pieces to your Tigers team that were gone. And is Zimmerman back obviously a little bit half par? Okay, it's one game. I'm sorry we lost our win streak. I'm sorry we didn't get the sweep again. 
Is it really that much of a disappointment to you as a fan that after one bad game, we don't still have a shot at this? I call BS. I call BS on all of it. I think it's time to step up as a team, get your act together. It's time as fans to step up and get your act together and say, you know what? It's going to be okay, Detroit. It's okay to be a Tigers fan. It's okay, everybody on the outside that we're not just popping, 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 getting everything done every single game. It's okay. Take a deep breath relax, regroup, and don't jump off this bandwagon so soon, okay? That's my piece on your Tigers. I'm sorry I got a little riled up here, but this has been running through my head all freaking day since I started seeing these articles coming out. Oh, Zimmerman tanks another game again. Zimmerman comes back a little bit too soon. Well, I don't know. Maybe he did come back too soon. Maybe it was a bad call. Maybe we'll find out he is back on the DL and we'll have to come up with some sort of a contingency plan as an organization. But until we have to actually cross that point, take a deep breath. Don't jump off the bandwagon. I'm sure he'll be okay. I'm sure we will be okay. It is not the end of the world, Detroit. Period. Period. I love this article that I saw about the Tigers making their standing pat decision because this is another one that got me fired up with all the Tigers fans because very polarizing opinions. Either we were supposed to pull something out of thin freaking air Or we were supposed to just stand pat and let everybody talk bad about the team. Uh, I don't know. Cody Welling, well-known person for the sports media world, says, does Alavila even know what day it is? Someone wake him up. Hashtag Tigers. What? What would you have liked to have seen from the Tigers organization with this deadline coming up? Please tell me. Because I couldn't think of anything. There's not a single move that could have been made, in my opinion. And we talked about this last week. With the demand that there is, with the lack of money that there is, with the lack of talent to trade around here in Detroit. What the hell else were we supposed to do other than stand pat? It's not even been a full season with Avila at the helm, okay? So take that into consideration. Take into consideration that we're still letting Awesomeness work his things through. We've got so many guys on the DL. We have to build up trade value before you can really even consider making a move at the trade deadline. So I don't really understand the need for the tweet saying, first time I've had to say anything, Alavila's off to a terrible start as Tigers GM, Pelfrey and Upton, and nothing at a deadline? Awful? What? What? At Mike is bored on Twitter, breaking, hashtag Tigers, acquire a lot of fans who are unhappy with Alavila. What? <laughs> I don't know if this is anybody outside of Detroit that's throwing these opinions in. And and please, if you had a better plan than what we did, than standing pat, please hit me up on social media and tell me what it was because I felt very strongly about this through the entire week. There was nothing we could have done other than stand pat. Is it a sexy pick? Nah. Is it a really cool look for the organization from the outside? Not really. But it was necessary. And I firmly believe that we've made the right decision. Just like I mentioned with the Brad Ausmus situation, I truly still believe he's working some magic behind the scenes. This J.D. Martinez situation that y'all were so pumped up about yesterday was just one of those pieces that I think are coming together for the Tigers organization. Be patient. That's the theme that I think needs to be heard around Detroit right now as a whole. Be patient with the trade deadline situation. It's done and over with now. Big things are coming. Be patient. Sorry that Zimmerman had a bad comeback. J.D. Martinez gave us a glimmer of hope. Be patient. I'm sorry that Osmus isn't this wild all-star of GM that you thought that you were going to have. Be patient. Be patient with your organization. Be patient with the process. 
and understand that we still very much have a chance at being successful this season. Hopefully we'll see some October ball. That's all I really hope for at this point, to be quite honest with you. I'm crossing my fingers from some October ball. I'm crossing my fingers that when I start going to some more games at home, I'm going to see more fans sticking around for the end of the freaking game and being patient and being fans, whether it's good or bad or otherwise. Mike freaking drop. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I'm going to talk some lines with you guys because I'm fired up some even stronger ways about this article that I saw about Matthew Stafford potentially being a Super Bowl quarterback and some other news from around the United States when we come back. Guys, listen up, okay? I know it's summertime. It is hot. It is humid. But you know what's not hot? Pit stains. Yeah, you know I had to go there and y'all know what I'm talking about. Sweating through the underarms of your shirt can be, well, downright embarrassing. But Lawrence Hunt has the perfect solution. Their dress shirts are not only really sharp looking guys, but they actually wick away moisture, leaving you and your armpits dry. But best of all, they're designed here in Detroit. So go ahead, leave the office, go straight to the Tigers game, and don't worry about showing off that hard-earned pit sweat while you cheer for the team. I mean, hey, if James McCann's rocking them, you probably should too. Use promo code DSP for 20% off today. Just head over to lhwear.com. That's L-H-W-E-A-R.com. Lawrence Hunt Fashion. Breathable, sweat-proof performance. We're back, and there's a big reason why Crossroads is playing right now, and it's not just because it's a good freaking song. It's because I'm at a little bit of a crossroads with this Lions situation that I'm seeing. Now, I read an interesting article today on my lunch break at work written by one Mr. Gil Brandt. And if you're not familiar with Gil Brandt, he's an NFL media senior analyst, which a title like that would lead me to believe that overall he probably knows what he's talking about. I had the pleasure of meeting Mr. Brandt himself at the Super Bowl in Arizona. Great guy easy to talk to, loves Michigan football. And he and I sat down and had a little chit chat. And uh, about 20 minutes in, he was doing some sort of brain teaser math quiz. I don't really know how to explain it. But basically, after several minutes, he um, realized that he didn't remember how to tell the end of his joke. And so then instead just started, started insulting my intelligence, like somehow I forgot the joke. But I say that to say the guy's a little quirky. And he knows this stuff. He knows this football inside and out, backwards, forwards. There's no denying that. But he's a little senile. He's very, very old in age. And, um, you know, you kind of have to take what he says with a grain of salt. So bear that in mind as I talk about this article, because I'm still a little puzzled as to what I'm reading. I want to believe it. I want to believe what Gil Brandt says when he puts Matthew Stafford as number 12 out of 12 for quarterbacks who actually have a chance at winning a ring this season. But he's putting Matthew Stafford in contention for a chance to be a quarterback who wins a Super Bowl ring this season, which is kind of blowing my mind all the way around. Why? Granted. Okay, granted. I can see what he says. I'm going to read this little chunk verbatim because I want you to understand why he put Matthew Stafford where he did. And then I'm going to argue it a little bit. But he says, quote, 
This selection might spark a few snickers, but Stafford does have significant ability. The first overall pick in the 2009 NFL Draft ranks third in the NFL in total passing yardage, quotes, 23,174 yards, and completions, 1,988, over the past five seasons. Hey, that's unbelievable! He's the Lions' all-time record holder in career passing yards, 25,976, and passing touchdowns, 163. He boasts a very strong arm and good mobility. He just needs to put everything together. Notably, he seemed to respond to Jim Bob Cooter when the coach was elevated to coordinator midway through last season, sparking a 6-2 second-half run for Detroit. That said, I have plenty of doubts about the rest of the Lions roster, especially with Calvin Johnson having retired, which is why Stafford ranks here. End quote. Congratulations, Gil Brandt, for laying out the most obvious of the stats and just plunking a quarterback in the number 12 spot because, holy hell, guys, I'm looking around at this Lions roster for the season, and as we talked about last week with Logan Lamberandier, we're cautiously optimistic, okay? But let's keep things in perspective. Matthew Stafford is the face of the Lions, okay? It's easy to get caught up in the magic that is happening with Matthew Stafford making his break. Hopefully we'll get a new wide receiver who can do what Megatron did. Congratulations. I hope that we do. To say that in the league that we have, with the talent that we have all over the country with all of these teams, that Matthew Stafford at this point in his career with this team he has surrounding him, with this coach he has leading him, that we really have a chance in hell of going for this Super Bowl ring. I read this article and went, you have got to be kidding me that this is even a conversation we're having. So I took to Twitter. I took to Twitter because if this is even worth mentioning, if he's even going to get a number 12 spot, Gil Brandt cannot be the only person, and he's certainly not the only person in Detroit, who thinks that the Lions have a chance of going for a Super Bowl ring this year. And I was shocked at how many people weren't quick to write off the Lions. I was. I voted in my own poll. Do the Lions have a legitimate shot at a ring this season despite Calvin Johnson's retirement? No, no way. I voted that in my own poll just so I could see the results. And 63% of you agreed. Okay, that's a good chunk. I was expecting more like a 92% poll for no, no way because I wanted to reflect my opinion as... No, there is no way in hell. Why are we even having this conversation? I'm sorry, Lions fans. I love you. I hope we have a decent season. I hope we go 10 and 6 or somewhere near there. But I think even that's a little optimistic. But to say we have a chance at a Super Bowl ring? Not this season. Not in my opinion. But you know what? 6% of you said undeniably, unquestionably with Stafford's talent, we have a real chance. Okay. 13% of you said yes, if the O-line meshes. Okay. I'll agree with that. We might do a little better than we would have if they don't. I don't know if it means we have a real chance at a Super Bowl ring. But 18% of you said there's just too many variables coming into play, which also is not a hard no. So you either are saying that, well, if the O-line works, okay. Some of you are optimistic enough as to say, well, there's just a little too many variables to tell right now. Let me get through training camp. Let me get through the first couple of games. Great. So I did a little bit of digging. I looked up some numbers. And I feel like Matthew Stafford, which, okay, this is like saying the sky is blue. It's a little obvious, but Matthew Stafford is talented. There's no denying that he is a talented quarterback. The numbers are there to back up a statement like Matthew Stafford is a talented quarterback. 
what there are no numbers to back up is the fact that there's been no run game around him, period. The fact that we're not really sure what this O-line will do this season. The fact that we're going to be up against a schedule that could be really great if it all pans out the way that it looks like from the outside at this point heading into the season. But it also is set up in a way that it could be very bad very quickly. You know, the Packers are going to be a huge, huge obstacle for the Lions this year in a lot of ways, early in the season and then later in the season. If we don't get those wins or at least give them a little bit of a fight very early on, I think that's going to set the tone for the entire season for this Lions team. So if you're going to base all of your decisions off of, okay, well, strength of schedule, we have a decent chance this year. Okay, well, if the O-line comes around Matthew Stafford, this could be good. If Stafford puts up the numbers that he has in the past, this could be good. If our defense holds up the way that it could and should, this could be good. There are way too many variables coming into play to say the Lions have a real chance at this. The part that I did find interesting throughout this article is who he ranks ahead of Matthew Stafford. Matthew Stafford comes in at 12. Number 11 was Derek Carr with the Oakland Raiders. Okay. Number 10, Phillip Rivers, San Diego Chargers. Uh, I don't know if I would put him above Stafford even, but okay, I'll let that ride. Number nine, Matt Ryan, Atlanta Falcons. Eight, Andrew Luck, Indianapolis Colts, which is interesting because there was the even matchup that we were talking about with Luck's contract and Stafford's contract that he would be that many positions higher than Stafford in this ranking. But again, okay, you look at the, the, the Colts core, you look at what they've got going, their schedule. Okay, I think that he does have a better chance this season than Matthew Stafford does. Seven, Brock Osweiler, Houston Texans. Six, Tony Romo. Dallas Cowboys, okay, he's 36, I feel like his window's closing a little bit, but we'll give him the shot. Five, Teddy Bridgewater, four, Alex Smith, three, Andy Dalton with the Cincinnati Bengals. I mean, maybe to the playoffs, I don't know about a Super Bowl run, but that's an interesting number three pick for me. Number two, Carson Palmer, Arizona Cardinals. That's a bit of a sleeper for, I think, everybody around the league. Having been close to that organization, I believe more in the defensive side of the Cardinals and the offensive side, but Carson Palmer will inevitably ride that train if that's the case. So congratulations to him if he gets it. I don't know if he deserves to be a Super Bowl quarterback, but number one, shocker, shocker, Cam Newton. We all kind of figured that that was going to be the play. So I look at all this stuff and I go into account and say, okay, talent-wise, again, full circle, Stafford, Good quarterback. Great quarterback. You don't see Aaron Rodgers on this list. You don't see whoever's going to be with the Broncos on this list. You don't see the Patriots on this list. Matthew Stafford makes this list over Aaron Rodgers, over Tom Brady. Not even on the list. Do we think, Detroit, that Stafford deserves to be number 12 on this list? Be honest. I could be being a hater. I could be negative right now. But I look around and I see all these variables. And the fact that we can even have this conversation preseason and say, nah, I think we got a shot is a little bit of a stretch. When you look around the league and see who your competition is potentially going to be heading into playoffs, assume we make it, assuming we make it to that point, assuming that we get far enough in the playoffs that we could really have this conversation, we have to account at that point in the season health, obviously. We have to count into the health of all the other teams that we're going to be facing. I mean, there's way too much to be having Super Bowl conversation, in my opinion, unless you're talking about the big constants always, which has never been the Lions. So congratulations to Gil Brandt for this article because it rippled some waves from everybody that I shared it with today. 
But I'm not exactly buying into this whole Lions Super Bowl hype yet. I don't know about you, Detroit. Hit me up on Twitter at Detroit Jenna or, of course, at the Detroit Sports Podcast Twitter page if you've got a take on this. Because if you think I'm wrong, please tell me. Please tell me because I would love to be wrong on this. I would love to go to some Lions games this season and just have my socks knocked right the hell off. Don't see it happening. What else I don't see knocking my socks off? I really hate to bring this up right now, but I'm going to go there. Space Jam 2 has been talked about for, I don't know, years now. We keep getting teased with this idea of Space Jam 2, Space Jam 2. Everybody has just assumed, based on the status of the player that he is, that it would be LeBron James. The greatest of all time, number one, Michael Jordan. Of course, the greatest of all time, number two, should be LeBron James. But it was interesting because with all this speculation happening that the movie was going to be coming back, there was a camp that Michael Jordan was at, basketball camp that he was at coaching, And someone asked him, if you had to pick someone to be your, essentially, replacement in the Space Jam sequel, who would you pick? Not LeBron James. He goes Blake Griffin, which is a likable guy, is a talented guy, just so happens to be sponsored by Air Jordan. He's a Jordan athlete, so that could have a little bit of play into it. But I just don't know if, I don't want to say he's not deserving of the role because he's proven with his interactions with the media on film. He's talented in front of the camera. I think that he could really deliver, but so does LeBron James proven actor on camera, got the talent. And I just feel like if you're going to really try to like fill the shoes, no pun intended of Michael Jordan in a sequel, and it's going to be good. I don't know if Blake Griffin's the best choice. I don't know if saying, okay, let's pick a Jordan sponsored athlete. Who's good. Who's from LA who's a fan of my team, should be the next role for me. So I think he's a little bit biased here, but I'll let him have this one. Would you want to see Blake Griffin in a movie? Honestly, honestly, he's a decent looking guy. I don't know if I want to stare at that mug for two and a half hours in a movie theater, but okay, we'll go for it. So we can have another mug that I'm not too keen on right at this exact moment. Mark D'Antonio, you guys, did you see the story that came down today with the Michigan State football coach? Awkward radio interview club. Arbaugh's been in it. Now our boy D'Antonio's in it. I don't care if you're a Michigan fan. I don't care if you're a state fan. You know who this guy is, and you know that they're all deep-seated rivals, okay? Fox Sports Daybreak did this interview, and they opened it up by asking D'Antonio if Jim Harbaugh has ever gotten in your head a little bit with all of his antics at Michigan and whatnot. So D'Antonio responds by saying that, Competition for Michigan is, quote, something natural that we have to deal with. And then he was asked about Connor Cook not being named as captain prior to the 2015 season. And he just has to kind of fire back and he says something along the lines of like, we're past that or something. But then some other media member decides that he is going to completely throw D'Antonio for a loop. And he's going to say, hey, coach, do you eat pasta with Izzo? Do you eat pasta with Izzo? Okay, I'm a media person. I've done interviews before. I love completely throwing guys for a loop when you can tell they're getting a little too serious and asking them something funny. I once asked a very famous athlete what color boxers he was wearing just to get him to smile a little bit because he was getting a little too serious and a little too heated in an interview. Okay, it's a tactic people have. But then D'Antonio takes it all kinds of personally. And instead of just responding with a get out of here, man, and maybe giving a little bit of a chuckle or some sort of professional response, he says, Well, you know, we've been in the top 10 the last three years. I don't know. You do what you do. I mean, you guys are all the guys that are talking out here and you ask the questions that sometimes don't really make a lot of sense. 
Who needs to make sense? It's a media interview. We're not like trying to make you president, Mark D'Antonio. Chill out for a second. We're trying to bring a little levity to a very clearly deep-seated rivalry. We can feel the tension in the room. We're trying to cut it with a little pasta, bro. Chill out. Are you serious? Are you on that high of a pedestal yourself, Mark D'Antonio, that you can't handle a little bit of uh, tomatoes getting thrown at you for a second? Are you serious? Listen, I'm a Michigan fan. It's not a secret. I'm obsessed with Jim Harbaugh. I think he's one of the greatest human beings on this planet that is in no way, shape, or form molding my decision to have so much disgust for Mark D'Antonio over this. This is like middle school stuff. Mom, he's picking on me. By the way, D'Antonio hangs up on this interview, just completely hangs up the phone like a total kid. Like, give me a break, D'Antonio. Er, next. Right over to him, Jim Harbaugh. I love this story. People either love these Michigan uniforms that just came out or they hate them, which is fine. I think they look a little bit more like LSU's uniforms, which is kind of cool. It's kind of dope. I'm into it. I'm not wildly impressed with these uniforms, but I love that they developed Jim Harbaugh's own brand of Jordan khakis. This is the coolest thing. I know he used to be sponsored by Dockers, and that was kind of their MO was the dad jeans, the dad pants, I think it was, was the campaign. So now he doesn't even have to worry about it. He gets to have his own official uniform of Harbaugh khakis. And I know that usually when they put out these new uniforms, it comes to points where like fans can actually buy some of the gear. I hope that we start seeing fans walking around with Jordan Harbaugh dad khakis. Would that not be the coolest thing? You show up to church and the old man in front of you is wearing the official Jordan Michigan football Harbaugh khakis. That's a mouthful for you. I freaking love the khakis. I love the khakis. I love the man. This is so freaking awesome to me. Love the man. Love the man. The other man I love is Rasheed Wallace. How can Detroit not love Rasheed Wallace? He gave you five seasons for the Pistons. The guys won an NBA championship and he's a Detroit boy through and through. And just recently, what he's been doing in Flint has been getting attention. But it's my understanding that Rasheed Wallace has been actually contributing to the city of Flint in this water crisis for months now. Since all of this has started coming down, he was one of the first people in line to get in there with truckloads of water and helping people out. And this is the kind of stuff I love to see from athletes, current or retired. There is so much negativity in the sports world right now. We've been inundated with it in this podcast alone with the Ray Rice situation we talked about a couple episodes ago with all the Anthony Ghost stuff that happened. To see guys step up and be men, be leaders, be role models for a community, for a league, even into retirement is so cool to me. I am so proud to say that Rasheed Wallace was a piston and that he is still going out and doing stuff for the city of Detroit and for the city of Flint. We all know it's about 70 miles away, but you know what? Good on him. Good on him for showing that he is a man that we can look up to here in the city of Detroit as someone who is a true leader for what it means to be an athlete and a good rule model for all these kids in the area. I love this story. Finally, it just wouldn't be a female-led podcast if we didn't talk a little trashy romance, right? Am I right? I know you guys are going to be pumping the brakes here because most of you are men, but you're lying to yourselves if you don't say that at least half of you listening to this don't watch The Bachelorette, even if it's just to be appeasing to your ladies and you suck it up and deal with it every Monday and or Tuesday, depending on the week. I have so many responses to my sports tweets on Twitter. I get 10 times more responses from the men when I tweet on The Bachelorette, so I know you guys care about this stuff. That's a fact, okay? Aaron Rodgers 
quarterback for the Green Bay Packers has been in a media whirlwind with this Bachelorette story. And in case you don't watch The Bachelorette, in case you're one of the few, Aaron Rodgers' younger brother, Jordan Rodgers, was a contestant to win the heart of JoJo, the most recent Bachelorette. Now, Jordan Rodgers was the Vanderbilt quarterback, kind of washed up baby brother, NFL wannabe quarterback, Jordan Rodgers of the Rodgers family, okay? So we set this scene... He's portrayed in the show as basically Aaron Rodgers, washed up little brother, NFL wannabe guy. And all of this soap opera drama starts very early with the, you know, I never could really be my brother sob stories. And yeah, well, Aaron always did get all the attention stories. And as the season goes on, it evolves into this maniacal, where is Aaron? Why is Aaron never around? We're meeting the Rogers family, and where is this mysterious Aaron Rogers? And it turns into this unbelievably grotesque, in my opinion, take on the Rogers family. Aaron doesn't come around. It's like it's like he's Voldemort of Harry Potter. Like it's he who must not be named. Like they don't even mention his name anymore. He's the other brother who's not around. So there's all these rumors swirling, and he said, she said, and we don't want to talk about this to the media anymore from both sides, but. I guess the bigger story from Family Inside Sources is Olivia Munn is the issue and the rift between the two brothers. Not that Aaron is some famous quarterback and he's too cool for the family. Not that everybody's feeling slighted because he's not on the media train with them. The whole issue is Aaron Rodgers' girlfriend. So it makes me want to ask you, like, have you ever been in a relationship where the families just can't get along because of somebody you've been dating? I mean... To be on a celebrity level like Aaron Rodgers and then now Jordan Rodgers and to still have the media having a frenzy over this over potentially a girl? Like, Olivia Munn's a catch, okay? She's a 10 out of 10 all day long. She's an actress. She's a model. She's hot as hell. She seems like she's got a super cool personality. I get it. But is any chick worth potentially losing your family for? I mean, like, this has supposedly been years of feuds to where... He doesn't come around to like Christmases or Thanksgivings. This is a big time NFL quarterback. And we've not heard about this story until his little brother goes on The Bachelorette. Seems a little weird to me. And now Aaron Rodgers refuses to talk to the media about it and defend himself, stating that family matters are private matters. Dude, you know it's the chick then, because if he really was on the up and up, I think he would have come to the defense and at least said like, hey, I'm cool with my family. Our business is our business. Like, it's all good. I just didn't want to be associated with the Bachelorette. I'm a big, tough NFL quarterback. Great. But I didn't see any of that. I didn't see any of that, period. And now Jordan Rogers is deciding that he's going to slink back into the, the quiet shadows of not talking to the media about it after he just spent an entire season of The Bachelorette talking about it. Congratulations, Rogers family. Like, you got your other 15 minutes of fame, and now we're just going to slink back into the corners and pretend like everything's hunky-dory whatever i'm not buying it and while i'm talking about it i don't really think that uh jordan and jojo will last but that's just my two cents as well why i think that uh jordan's a little bit old-fashioned when it comes to love i kind of loved how old-fashioned he came to love like i don't know why if you're so old-fashioned you'd go on a show like the bachelorette which is so unconventional but when i look at the way that he was so hesitant to ask jojo's dad for her hand in marriage because he wanted to do it the right way. That was a moment that Jordan Rogers had said he only wanted to have once, right? So he didn't want to just go propose to JoJo if he wasn't going to marry JoJo because this is something he wanted to do once and save it for his wife. And the whole mystery and allure of The Bachelorette is down to the last minute when someone is proposing, you don't know if it's you or not. 
And this was proven especially in this season because she admitted that she was in love with both men and it came down to a toss-up the morning she got engaged of who she was going to be engaged to. So I can understand his hesitation for not wanting to ask for the hand in marriage until she said and could say, I want to pick you. I think there's something old school romantic about that, about pulling the dad to the side privately without cameras on and saying, sir, I love your daughter and I want to respect her and love her and take care of her every day for the rest of her life. Please, may I have your blessing and permission instead of setting up film crews and getting powder and makeup and okay, ready, action. Let's have an engagement. Give it, come on. I love that. And Jojo was so pushing and pushing and pushing of it's my time. I want to do it. How dare you be so selfish? You took this moment from me. <sighs> if it's this early on in the relationship and you know, there's already those roadblocks of very obviously different opinions on what marriage looks like and what a relationship looks like, you know, doing things because it's the timing of everybody else and what everybody else says is right. That's not how life works. You know, he's an old school down home Midwest boy. She seems like she's come from a lot of money. She was raised in the South. It's just very different. It's very different lifestyles. And, you know, I, I don't know. I hope they last because they're both a good looking couple and they would be one of the very few to make it through the Bachelor franchise successfully. But I just don't see it happening. I don't see it happening. But I'm going to go into this weekend being optimistic about my Tigers and being optimistic about my Lions and Mr. Jordan and Jojo. May they make it one more week. And may we all make it one more week here in Detroit. Thanks for joining in to the First Lady Podcast on Detroit Sports Podcast. We'll catch you next week, guys.